Hello, and welcome back to The Woods, a podcast about the mysterious, the legendary, and the plain weird, because you never know what you're going to find in the woods. I'm Shazney. And I'm Sandy. Welcome to the Christmas episode. Woo, Christmas! I think. Yes. This, well, this is Christmas. <laughs> when this comes out, it'll be Christmas Eve. Merry Christmas Eve. Yeah, so I'll probably be helping my mom finish up everything. I will be tamales. working and then going to my auntie's house. You're going to your aunt's house? That's cool. Yeah, totally. Um, get to see my baby cousins. I'm excited because I have a lot of those now. Oh, I feel <laughs> it's that. weird, but I love it. Oh, Sandy, do you hear that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That is the beautiful sound of the Yule Log in the fireplace, virtually post-production. On Netflix, they have that whole fireplace thing. Is that an all-year-round thing, or is it only there on Christmas? I'm not sure. I'm going to put it up on my mom's TV this year. In, like, July. Christmas in July, right? No, why not? Exactly. I mean, it's going to be the same. Like, it's been there's, like, no snow out, so it pretty much looks like July right now. I mean, it's not like... It's well, not no, warm, sometimes but... it's hot in July. Sometimes. Sometimes it's hot in July? July? That's what you said. Yeah. It's, like, always hot in July. Well, not always, always. <laughs> well, it sure as hell doesn't snow. No. <laughs> I thought it did one year, like, a long, long time ago. No, it was, like, June. Oh, June. Okay. I just mixed them up. Yeah, spoiler, Canada, you know, doesn't have snow all year round. Yeah, I was listening to What's Blood Got to Do With It, and they were talking about their, like, how cold it was, and, like, uh, they did mention this, so, like, sorry, we live in California, this is cold to us, but I'm like, damn, I wish it was, like, that warm here. Right? I, like, follow this guy on Twitter, and he lives in Australia, and he was talking about, like, swimming in his parents' pool on Christmas or something like that, and I was like, excuse me. Well, they were, (laughs) they were saying how... 50 degrees to them was really cold so as conversions go i know 30 degrees fahrenheit is around negative six degrees celsius so like 50 is that like 10 degrees could be i wish yeah i would take that though it hasn't been that bad this week not yet not yet i find it usually gets cold in like january yeah january is always hot january and february anyways the worst merry christmas Merry Christmas. And Happy New Year. And Happy New Year. So, today in the studio, <laughs> we have a special guest. Yeah, say hi. My, I guess I don't need to know that. Say hi. Hi. <laughs> She's um, shy. <laughs> yeah. We would like to introduce our PR person. Angela. Are you going to say anything else? I will be appearing in an episode about Jack the Ripper and the Zodiac Killer. Don't just tell them. You gotta keep them. Off. You were the one telling people or telling me that I was not good at surprises. So, <laughs> anyways, um, yeah. Hopefully, eventually she'll be on the pod next yeah. year. Twenty nineteen goals. Yeah, vision board. Mhm. So, Sandy, how's your week been going? It's kind of a blur. I forget what I did. I'm sure I did something. I feel that. Uh, tomorrow I'm finishing up my Christmas shopping. And so, our city, Saskatoon, they have this bus thing. So, there's a certain uh, bus 
that will take you from like Center Mall to Midtown, Market Mall, like basically to all the oh, malls and all the malls, just circular. Yeah. So uh, I'm very thankful for that now because uh, that will make my Christmas shopping easier tomorrow. Yeah, that's so handy. Like, I love Christmas. I just hate everything leading up to Christmas. I hate the Christmas shopping. I hate the traffic. Everyone's out. And everyone's grumpy. Like, everyone's so grumpy. I hate it. True. Uh, so, uh, I'm excited for Christmas because then all of that grumpiness and insanity will be over. Yeah, I hate working retail for the reason of the customers being grumpy around Christmas. Oh, it's I know. It's like, chill, bro. I mean, they it's expect ironic. me to be happy. Like, yeah. Nah, I'm not going to be happy. Like, I work at a grocery store, and I've been told that Christmas Eve is, like, the busiest day of the year. Yeah. And then people get angry because there's no more turkeys left. Like, it's Christmas Eve. You should have bought your turkey long ass. Yeah, time. like, it's on my fault. Do bolt. you sell them frozen, or? Yeah. Yeah, so they don't even have time to thaw them. Yeah. Before Christmas. Like, what is people's issue? Uh, I don't really know. I could just Thunder. go on and on about yeah. this. But this is a happy time. Supposedly. So we won't. How was your week? Well, I have now been sick for a week and a half, but it's finally going away. Yay. Thank God. A Christmas miracle. Yes. Other than that, well, yeah. 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 I got my Christmas shopping just about done. Ooh. So that's exciting. Yeah. Um, Sandy, oh. I have a gift for you. Oh, right. Yay. I have a gift for you too. Who wants to go first? At the same time. Oh, right. All right. Let me just grab it. Do we? I don't know. I don't know. Do we just like... I wrapped mine in a napkin when I got to Sandy's house because I'm crafty like that. Awesome. I put this in this little snowflake thing. (laughs) But look, it's shaped like a tree. Oh my god, that's so cute. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. (laughs) This feels kind of heavy. Ooh. Ooh. Ooh, I love this. (laughs) Oh my god! Oh, I love this so much. Thank you. Is this that's like... a drink cozy? So like you can, sure. <laughs> I mean, you can wear it however that's you so want cute. to. That's so cute. That's great because then I don't have to use the stupid Starbucks ones. Yep. Oh my god, it's perfect. Yeah. Thank you, Sandy. You're welcome, and thank you so much for this magnet. It says, "Kill them with kindness. Kill them with an ice pick. Whatever. Just make sure they're dead." Thank you. <laughs> I think that really captures the spirit of our podcast yeah i oh i love that so much thank I you i bought a magnet for each of our friends um that i thought perfectly represented them Aww. so megan says whoever says diamonds are a girl's best friend has never had a cat oh yeah and then Seema's says procrastinate like there's a tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> i like that one yeah that, that's really good you pick good ones I thought they represent my friends well. Take that how you want. Also notice I got you winter mini eggs because you got me Halloween mini eggs. Oh, you're so right. I forgot I got you mini eggs. <laughs> wow, that was a really great gift. Thank you, Sandy. <laughs> you're welcome. So, like, what do you... Oh, oh, this is a special episode. Yeah. So, instead of just two stories, no. Get ready for this curveball. We are giving you... I think so. <laughs> eight stories. <laughs> I think. This is going to be no, insane. Yes, Plus our magical Yule log and some Christmas tunes. Yes. 
Okay, so Sandy, what do you have first? Like, this isn't necessarily no. really creepy. So, are we gonna do it like me, then you? Yeah. Then, okay. So, I'm gonna start with. Um, Though I'll be honest, all mine are kind of creepy. I am ready because mine are not. Okay, perfect. So, a good balance. Mm-hmm. I One's really funny, though. Oh, I'm excited. <laughs> okay. I am starting. Well, by the way, all of mine, well, three of mine are all Mexican. And I was like, what if no one just wants to hear about it? But then I thought, who cares? Yeah. I'm just going to talk about it. Who cares? Yeah, who cares? So, I'm going to talk about piñatas first. And the reason I know a lot of you will probably be like, why piñatas? Because they're actually a Christmas thing. Uh, they're like, yeah, now they're used for birthdays, but traditionally and still today they're used during Christmas. So I thought that the definition of piñatas on Wikipedia was hilarious. So let me read it to you. Piñatas are containers often made of paper mache, pottery, or cloth. It is decorated and filled with small toys or candy or both, and then broken as a part of a ceremony or celebration. I just thought it was funny that they called it containers. Well, technically. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Um, what would piñata, like, directly translate to? Oh, I'll get to that. Okay. Um, so, the idea of breaking a container full of candy and treats came to Europe in the 14th century, where the Italian name pignata was introduced. So, pignata means pot. So, piñata basically means pot. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <clears throat> so, container, pot, whatever. Same thing. Yeah. There's a lot of debate about the origins of piñatas because there's evidence to suggest that their origin is Chinese. Uh, the Chinese version of a piñata was a container shaped like a cow or an ox used for the new year. It was decorated with symbols and colors meant to, pro- to produce a favorable climate for the coming season. It was filled with five types of seeds and then hit with sticks of various colors after the piñata uh, or and after the piñata was broken, the remains were burnt and the ashes kept for good luck. So, um, people say that that's where it originated from. The tradition was said to arrive in Europe in the 14th century, where it was associated with the Christian celebration of Lent, because Christians seem to want everything. Uh, however, remember when I said they called it a pignata, mm-hmm. so a pot? Well, instead of paper mache, they broke actual fucking clay pots. I love that. Oh my god, have you ever broken, like, clay pots before? Yes. I love that noise. <laughs> well, uh, they would decorate the pots with ribbons and colorful, or, yeah, and colorful paper, but that doesn't stop the fact that the clay shards could stab someone in the eye. So, like, just imagine you're, like, whipping the thing and then, like, it comes back at you. Even better. <laughs> Add some thrill. Go big or go home. Thrill to the game. Um... In the 16th century uh, is when the tradition was apparently brought to Mexico. However, in Mesoamerica, they already had similar traditions. So, for example, the Mayans would also have a clay pot that they would make blindfolded people whack at. (laughs) And the Aztecs celebrated the birthday of the god uh, Huitzilopochtli, who was the god of war, human sacrifice, and the sun. For his birthday, which happened in mid-December, which I found interesting... Uh, they would decorate clay pots with feathers and make people break it with a club or a stick, and the treasures inside would fall as an offering. So, like, again, there's a lot of debate. A lot of people think it's Chinese. A lot of people think it it is Hispanic. But I don't think that we can trace it down to one origin because, you know, Chinese had their version, Mesoamerica has their own, and so does Europe. 
Yeah, there seems to be a lot of traditions that are like that. Like, it just seems like, like, Santa Claus. You know how many different variations yeah. of a very similar figure there is around the world? And then it made me think of, like, how, like, no one's ever really has an original idea. Yeah, that so. too. Anyway, food for thought. <laughs> uh, so, going back to those Christians... The piñata was first used for uh, evangelism in 1586 in a town called Acolman, just north of Mexico City. Monks there modified European piñatas and created Las Posadas, which is a topic I will talk about later, um, to co-opt the celebration of the birth of Huitzilopochtli. So, of course, they got rid of the Aztec celebration and replaced it with Christianity. Typical. Classic. Mm-hmm. So, of course, the Catholics just couldn't have a say in it either, right? Or couldn't not have a say in it. Uh, so, the Mexican Catholic Church was like, this clearly represents men resisting temptation. Um, traditionally, piñatas are shaped as seven-pointed stars, and the seven points um, represent each of the seven deadly sins, uh, and the candy inside are the temptations of evil. <laughs> yep. The person with the stick... That is blindfolded represents faith. The turning and singing and shouting represent disorientation that temptation creates. And in some traditions, the participant is turned 33 times. One Ouch. for each year of Christ's life. Oh my god. So I thought. Wait, he was 33? When he died, yeah. I didn't know that. Okay, but then I thought. I had a thought. What if I have kids one day? And what if, you know, they want to break a piñata? Which do you know they will? I'll just turn them 33 times. And they'll be like, Mom, why are you doing this? They'll be like, shut up, it's tradition. And then laugh when they fall over. <laughs> yeah. I think it's funny. But oh I, my god, I would get so sick. I have motion Like, I get the Catholic Church is insane and intense now, but like, calm down. There's no I need can't. to turn someone 33 times. I can't even spin once without like, falling. <laughs> well, uh, you gotta do it 33 times before so. you can break the on them. Um, beating the piñata is supposed to represent the struggle against temptation and evil. When the piñata breaks, the treats inside them represents rewards for keeping faith. But I feel like this is really contradicting. It is. Because at first they're like, those treats represent, uh, temptation. temptation. But now they're like, oh, good for you for resisting temptation. Your reward is said temptation. This is very ironic. Yeah. And also, I did grow up Mexican, and I can tell you that there has never been a time that I have felt more hostile towards my siblings and my cousins than when we break a piñata. It mm -hmm. is every man for themselves. Like, people are wrestling for candy from other people's... Oh, yeah. It's it's a wild time, but it's fun. I had a piñata at my f f sixth birthday party. I invited all the girls in my kindergarten class. And I'm pretty sure someone got their eye gouged out. <laughs> Just right out. You can ask my mom. Mom. Do you remember this? Okay, thanks. Yeah, let us know. <laughs> Email let me us. Know. <laughs> um, so many people outside of Mexico tend to associate piñatas with birthdays. And again, we do use them for to celebrate birthdays, but they're most popular during Christmas, uh, during Las Posadas, which are Mexican Christmas parties, and during baptisms. And after learning all that religious background, like it shouldn't surprise you, and uh, growing up, piñatas were a huge part of my life. Uh, like I said, they're even at baptisms. And I remember 
the last time I was in Mexico with my whole family, my aunt asked my mom to be my baby cousin's, uh, what are they called? Godmom. Mm-hmm. So it was after my cousin's baptism. My dad was walking out of the church and there was this line of people waiting for their bags of candy because it's either a piñata or a bag of candy. But my parents had forgot all the bags of candy. Oh, no. So my dad like just turned right around into the church and was like, Sandra, we forgot candy. So they went out and got a piñata. Oh my god. Um, yeah. Are you going to talk about the fact that they're like six feet tall? Oh, I wasn't, but if you want to talk about it. Lots of people probably don't know that. That is true. I remember one year my mom made a small, like it was small to me. It was, you can't see me. <laughs> you can't see me holding on my hands. Uh, but yeah, it was small to me. It would have been about, I don't know. Three feet across? Yeah, about three feet across. So that was a small one to me. And then my mom had this huge one, which, yeah, sure, let's say it was six feet. And uh, our lovely assistant, Gabby, her mom was going to buy the pinata off of her. So my mom took the small one, the three foot one, and then she goes, oh no, I want the small one. And my mom's like, that is the small one. And then she brought up the big six foot one and she was like, oh, holy shit. So yeah, she got the small one. Oh my god, do you remember the spider? We gotta post that on the Instagram. You know, page. I was gonna mention that my mom, when we, uh, like, our first few years in Canada, my mom uh, would make pinatas and she'd sell them. They're so cool. Yeah, and I remember, like, when we lived here, like, the, again, the first few years, my aunt, she would throw, like, these Mexican Christmas parties, and every year my mom would make a piñata. And I remember one year for Christmas Eve, my dad asked his boss if we could use his garage or a barn, I can't remember what it was. And we drove there Christmas Eve at night to break this piñata, and it was lit. That's so funny. I love it. Yep. Uh, so here are some facts about piñatas. An art museum called uh, Museo de Arte Popular, or Museum of Popular Art, in Mexico City held a Mexican piñata contest in 2007. The prizes were 15,000, 10,000, and 5,000 pesos. So in Canadian dollars, that's a, or $1,005, $700, and $335. And um, Shazne, we both know that if my mom was there, she would have won. Yeah, totally. Yeah. At Christmas, piñatas tend to be filled with fruits such as guavas, mandarin oranges, jicamas, and pieces of sugarcane. And I thought it was interesting that they have mandarin origins because I think it was last episode that we mentioned, like, why are they Christmas oranges? Yeah. Like, it's not just in Canada. It's also in Mexico, and I'm sure in a bunch like of Christmas other countries. Oranges? That's so weird. I wonder if it has to do with, like, their ripe time or something? Maybe. Maybe they, they, they're seasonal to around Christmas time? Could be. Um, I also got to talk about this because when I helped my mom sell piñatas, no one knew how to break them. So let me tell you. Uh. And I'm going to use my dad and my uncle as an example, okay? The piñata is hung from above with a rope or a string. However, two people are holding each side of the rope. So, for example, my dad will be on top of the roof of the garage holding one end of the rope. And my uncle will be on his balcony across from my dad holding the other end. After the participant gets blindfolded, my dad and uncle will start throwing the piñata up and down, moving it side to side to make it harder so the piñata like doesn't just stand there like a lot of people like will have the piñata and then just let people go at it. Um, and there's a traditional song everyone sings and however long it takes to sing the song is how much time the person has to break it. So like oh, okay. it's moving up and down. Everyone gets like a fair turn because everyone's singing the same song 
Mm-hmm. So. N- nice. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so, yeah, that's the origins of a pinata. So, yeah, hope you learned something from me. I told my mom, I said, Mom, are you going to make a pinata this year? And she's like, uh, no. And then I said, it's okay, I'll make it. But, like, I'm not going to make it. I'm sorry. <laughs> those are work. Okay, those are hard work. But I did make one for my art class. And I got an A. The Pepsi one? No. Well, that one, too. Oh. One for my, oh, um, grade 12 art class when I blew my teacher away. Uh, so yeah, your turn. I'm excited. Mm -hmm. I'm excited to be up at night with your Christmas tales. Um, the first two aren't too spooky. Oh, so you'll get like, it'll be gradual. Well, the first one's creepy to me. And the second one's hilarious, but also kind of messed up. All right. And then, yeah, it's, yeah, we'll get there. I'm sure most people by now have heard of the elf on the shelf. Ugh. Yeah, sorry, we were just talking about this. <laughs> oh, okay, so, Angela, do you want to tell? Sure. Okay. Okay, so, until, like, last year, like, in grade nine... I always thought that the elf would move by itself. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't know, until, like, I was watching this YouTube video, and, like, someone was moving it, and I'm like, so it doesn't move by itself, and I got really disappointed, because <laughs> I wanted an elf on the shelf, so, like, I would find it each morning, but then I realized my mom wouldn't do that, and it doesn't move by itself. Well, no, why would mom do that? I think it's horrendous. <laughs> I mean, you do you. I think, I thought it was just cool, because I thought... What did you think moved it? The spirit of Christmas. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> Anyway. I, I just thought it moved by itself. That's funny. Okay, so, here's the down low on the elf on a shelf. I was led to believe that this vintage-looking toy was perhaps from a tradition from, like, maybe the 1800s or even, like, the 1980s, because, you know, it looks old. It looks yeah. really vintage. Is it not? No. Oh. The reason I have zero recollection of this toy and story from my memory as a child is because it didn't come out till 2004. That's what I thought. Okay, because I'm like, I was like, was this, is this a marketing scheme? It is. God, I hate people. Anyways. <laughs> I was like, why don't I know what the hell the elf on the shelf is? And why is it like, I didn't learn about it until like memes. Yeah. So like, I didn't know it was a thing. Three, like four years ago, yeah. maybe. Yeah. 2004. So how'd it come about? Oh, we'll get there. Oh, okay. So it was a story written by a mother-daughter duo based on a tradition that they had in their own home. So how the tradition of the elf on the shelf goes is that the parents will go out and buy this elf and he comes with a storybook. And the book is about how these elves come into your home and spy on you. And your chi- spy on you and your children the month leading up to Christmas, and every night they go back and report to Santa. When the children go to sleep, the parents are supposed to move the elf to a different spot in the home. There are thousands of creative ideas on what to do with your elf online, especially Pinterest is just packed full of it. YouTube, no. yeah. Martha Stewart, she's got some. Oh, does she? Martha Stewart's got some ideas on her website. Uh, the next morning, the elf is in a different place throughout the home, leading the children to believe that it's real, but it actually leaves the house and comes back and does something different. Lots of times, the elf will play pranks on them or will get itself into some trouble or stuff like that. 
Some of the rules include not touching the elf because it will lose its magic. So the kids aren't allowed to touch it. Or else it's not going to go back to Santa and tell them how great or terrible they were. <laughs> so the creators, Carol Abersold and Shanda Bell, have their own elf tradition in their home. They had a vintage elf similar to a Japanese knee-hugger elf ornament. The knee-hugger elves were made by a company called Yuletide of Japan in the 1950s and 60s. The rebuilding of Japanese manufacturing by the U.S. occupying government intended to enable Japan to pay off its war debts to the to the U.S. and other allied nations. So the story in Shanda and Carol's house was pretty similar in the way that the elf would go back to the North Pole every night and report to Santa on how the children were, be were behaving. Now when they got older and the daughter moved out, uh, the family found themselves in a hard time, kind of a hard place. Uh, they were struggling with money and stuff like that. So the daughter, I believe she moved back home or back to the same state as her parents, and uh, she started working for her dad. And in her downtime, her and her mother would work on this storybook that they kind of decided they liked to share with everyone about the elf on the shelf in their home. Uh, they had a local artist do the illustrations, and then they created the doll to go with the book. Um, the twin sister of the daughter, actually, she sold her home to be able to, for the family to afford 5,000 of these dolls. And then they would, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I just think of, did you ever watch Joy with Jennifer Lawrence? With the, the mop? I don't think so. Okay, it's, it's about a young lady, but she had this great idea for a mop. And oh. It's like she had to get the money to be able to make the thing in the first place, you know? Anyway. So yeah, they got 5,000 of these dolls and these uh, storybooks, and they began to sell them at local flea markets, and then eventually around the country at like just different craft fairs and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, and it picked up pretty fast. Uh, fast forward to today, there are over 10 million Elf on the Shelf sets that have been adopted into homes around the world, and you can even buy your Elf on the Shelf a pet. You have the choice of either a reindeer or a St. Bernard. And I thought you were going to say Satan, and I was like, okay, okay, now I'm there. <laughs> yeah, Satan. A reindeer or Satan? Um, and there's also cloves you can buy. You can buy a, a Letters to Santa kit um, and a Tricks and Tools kit so you can get creative with your elf on the shelf. And there's a sequel and a storybook about birthdays. And, um, it has to do, like, decorating a chair or something like that. I don't know. It's weird. I also did see, um, at our Halloween store around Halloween, there's, um, what's it? It's, like, skeleton in a closet or something like that. Well, I like that doll in the hall. Oh, there's that, too. Yeah. yeah there's I a, would do that. There's a bunch of different variations. But the elf on the shelf thing, I was, oh, it's so weird. Because I was just like, what is this thing? Where did it come from? That's why like, I looked it Like, it's so up. bizarre. Like, I didn't know it was that recent, but, like, I would say, oh, it's just, like, it's a fad. But at the same time, like, it's been more than 10 years, and it's still going. 14. Yeah, it's been 14 years. Yeah, it's still going, so, it's like... it's just picking up big now. I mean, traditions have to start somewhere. Yeah. And 
Like, whether it's the 1800s or 2004. They said that once they made the book and started sharing it, lots of other families ended up having a very similar thing in their own home. Yeah. Having to do with different toys and stuff. I don't know. Like, because they were at a hard place, so I do respect that they're probably making bank now. Oh, totally. I mean... I don't know if I personally would ever do one if I ever had kids. No, like, I see the, like, bare minimum... Just the elf and the book. Sure, that's cute. Cute idea. But now they're coming out with all this extra stuff, and it's, like, pretty pricey. Like, I've seen yeah. it in the stores. My store sells it. Stuff like that. And I'm like, no, no thanks. I don't like when corporate stuff No. Like, over. if I had to, yeah, it would just be the elf and the book. And how I'd probably make my own elf, and it probably yeah. wouldn't be an elf. Not a creepy-ass elf like that, anyway. No. uh I'd make the... Oh my god, I'd get a doll of the Will Ferrell elf. <laughs> you know, I do love that movie, and I haven't seen it yet. Like, I haven't seen it yet this year. Yeah, And right? I gotta. It's a good movie. Yeah, so that one isn't necessarily creepy, but it kind of is, because that fucking I mean, doll is creepy. I mean, like, it's supposed to move around. That's creepy. Yeah, and, you know, it's just more parents lying to their kids. Oh my god, did you see the one? It was dinosaurs? No. This family... And I forget why they did this, but they would, they had all these toy dinosaurs and when the kids went to sleep, they would set up these toy dinosaurs doing crazy stuff. And then the kids would wake up and think that their toy dinosaurs were like alive. It got pretty intense. It was awesome. Like I would do something like that. It's online somewhere, but I fucking loved it. Yeah. Um, I would be so much more into the dinosaurs than that elf on the shelf. Yeah. Um, so speaking of lying to your kids. Hi. Yes. Here comes my next story. Um, so I'm going to be talking about El Dia de los Reyes, or Three Kings Day. Okay. So, Three Kings Day is a Hispanic holiday celebrated on January 6th, which is known as the Feast of Epiphany, or the 12th day of Christmas. So for many Christians, Christmas doesn't end until the 12th day of Christmas, which is also Feast of Epiphany and Three Kings Day. That's so weird because everybody celebrates the 12 days of Christmas, like, at the beginning of December. Yeah, but it's... It's not. Not. Um, the holiday marks the day that the wise men uh, arrived to baby Jesus and gave him gifts. According to the book of Matthew, a star led the three kings. The three kings were named um, Melchior, Caspar, Caspar? Yeah. And Balthazar who represent Europe, Arabia, and Africa, uh, to baby Jesus. And the journey took them 12 days, hence the 12 days of Christmas, and they traveled by horse, camel, and elephant. Uh, as many people know, the gifts that were brought to baby Jesus were gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold represents Jesus' royal standing as the king of the Jews. Frankincense manifests the divine nature of the baby's existence because he is the son of God. And myrrh was often used to embalm corpses, so the wise men knew that one day Jesus would have to die for humanity's sin. So they're like, here's the myrrh for when he dies. (laughs) Always Uh, be prepared. So, in Mexico... Families make a bread called Rosca de Reyes, or King's Bread. They hide a tiny baby Jesus figurine in the bread. Um, So, you know, they share the bread. Whoever, like, has the piece with Jesus in it has to throw a party and has to make the matters for everyone um, on the Day of Candles, which is February 2nd. 
So funny story. Last year, my aunt made a rosca de reyes. And she's like, Sandy, I made some. Come pick some up. And I was like, okay. So I said, Ian, I got this bread. Like, time to eat, like, eat it. Whatever. I didn't tell him about the baby Jesus figurine because I <laughs> thought he wouldn't get it. So anyway, I didn't tell him. He takes this big bite. You know, he's like chewing. And suddenly there's this look of confusion on his face. And I was like, oh no. And then he pulls out the baby Jesus from his mouth. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> so he got the And like, he was just like, what is this? And I started freaking out like... I think I lost my train of thought. Like, you know how sometimes when you're too excited, you don't know what you're saying? Yeah. So I said, you got the little man! <laughs> and I had to explain to him what it was. Uh, so traditionally, Santa Claus doesn't exist in Mexico. Children, uh, like traditionally, children aren't used to getting presents from Santa. They're not used to presents on Christmas. They're used to getting presents on Three Kings Day. Uh, the three wise men are the ones who bring gifts Uh And these gifts don't go underneath the tree or anything. They go next to your shoes, or if they're small enough, inside of your shoes. Oh, yeah. However, northern Mexico has adopted the tradition of Santa Claus because it's close to the border of the U.S. Mm -hmm. So kids um, in northern Mexico tend to get the big gifts on Christmas and get what we know as stocking stuffers on Three Kings Day, which is mostly candy. Yeah. So we had this family friend who moved to Canada from, like, somewhere in the south of Mexico. So their daughter was only used to presents on Three Kings Day. So she starts school here. She comes home and she's like, who the hell is Santa Claus and why isn't he bringing me gifts? Oh my god. And like, you know the story, he brings gifts to children from all around the world. So she's like, excuse me. Yeah, like, bitch, please. So her parents are like, it's just you see the Three Kings bring you presents because you're Mexican. And she goes, well, I live here now, so they both have to step it up. And I'm like, you know what? I was raised Fair. in three different countries, and if you can use that to your advantage, do it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, anyway, yeah, that's my short. Do they Kings celebrate Day. it now? Like, does Santa bring it? I would assume so, because, like, have you met children? They're terrifying. I like, know. I'd be like, oh, sorry. Yeah, oh, sorry, I'm so sorry. Here's uh, 13 gifts for the last 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> like... uh, and also, something I found interesting, because we have stocking stuffers which go in, like, a stocking. And then on Three Kings Day, like, the gifts go inside of shoes or next to your shoes. Yeah. So I thought that was an interesting, um... Yeah, I, I have thing. shoes in, like, one of my stories, too, and... That's... What's with the shoes? Yeah, what's with shoes and socks? Maybe it's because, like... like, you had to walk to get to baby... I don't know, I feel like everything goes back to Jesus somehow. It does. Yeah. I mean, I mean Christmas. Christmas, Welcome back. Yeah, thanks for waiting. (laughs) I hope you enjoyed that little jingle. Okay, so, next story. Mine is about a little thing called Tio de Natal, which I'm going to butcher all the words because it is all in a language that I don't understand. All right. Yeah. So, Tio de Natal means Christmas log. So, the Christmas log is a character from Catalan 
mythology celebrated within the Catalonian region in Spain. So maybe it's Spanish. It could be. Could I'll be, let probably. you have a look at it later. So it is a hollow log about 30 centimeters long, standing on stick legs, and has a face painted on the higher end of the log. So it's kind of, uh, it's a big log on an angle. Hmm. And it has a face. And sometimes it has a festive hat, a red sock on its head. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sometimes it has hair too. Like yarn. Yeah. So the days leading up to Christmas, each night the children feed Tio the log a bit of food. They take care of him and they wrap him in a blanket so he doesn't get cold. Oh, how nice. Yeah, so they take care of their little log. And then on Christmas Eve or on Christmas Day, the children go to a room to pray. The Tio brings them good bounties and treats and they prepare for Tio while the parents hide presents under the blanket meant to keep Teal warm. So the children go to a different room and then the parents go and they hide a bunch of little gifts underneath the blanket. They are believed to be brought by the three wise men, which mm, we just talked about. Yeah. And Teal traditionally is then set in a fireplace and ordered to poop. Okay. <laughs> we all love poop here. <laughs> So nowadays, with the lack of fireplaces, Tio is merely just beaten with a stick until he defecates. How rude. <laughs> rude behavior. A song is also sung during the celebration. After hitting the Tio softly with a stick during the song, it is hit harder on the words Caga Tio. <laughs> okay, that is Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, is that how that's caca? No, it's caga. Caga. Okay. Caga to you. <laughs> then somebody puts their hand under the blanket and takes a gift. The gift is opened and then the song begins again. Okay. Caga to you. Evelanis e mato si no cagas be et der un cop de basto caga Okay, because that is not Spanish. Like, that, okay, that's so maybe, probably, like, it kind of looks like Latin. So it could be, like, a mix of different languages. Yeah. Because they're, like, Catalan. <laughs> well, anyways. <laughs> I mean, cagatio, that's funny. It translates to shit log, shit nuggets, hazelnuts, and matto cheese. If you don't shit well, I'll hit you with a stick. Shit log. Yeah, that's, that's what cagatio means, like, shit. And uh, Tio then gives away candies, nuts, and small toys for the family to share. How nice. <laughs> okay, but that sounds like something I want to be a part of. Right? Shit, log, shit. Yeah. I just, like, I, just, I couldn't really find, like, where this tradition really came from or why, but. But it's there. It's a thing. I love it. I do. It's so funny. I love it. Man, could you imagine... Like, we don't have anything like that in Canada. What do we do? Nothing. It's so lame here. Mm-hmm. We don't even have piñatas. We do secret Santas. I mean, those are fun. <laughs> they can be. They are. Or Chinese gift exchanges. Which... Those are all fun. Yeah. Or garage sale gift exchanges. Those are fun, too. Mm. It's where you take, like, just yeah. random ass item in your house and trade it. Yeah. Let's do that. I mean, we already gave each other gifts, but... Next year. 
Yeah. Let's just have gift exchanges, like, every time we see each other. Honestly, I'm down. Okay. So, yeah, that is the story of Tio de Nato, the Christmas log. I love that. That, like, really gets me in the Christmas mood, like... Shit log, shit. Yeah, like... If you don't shit well, I'll beat you with a stick. I mean, literally, they're trying to scare it shitless. (laughs) Yes. Uh, So. Yeah, that was the end of my happier tales. I'm excited for your horrifying one. Is it horrifying? Is it scary? There's two. Yeah, it gets scarier. Awesome. Okay. All right. Las Posadas, as we mentioned, are Mexican Christmas parties, and basically the word posada means inn or shelter. This tradition stems from the story of Mary and Joseph's journey to Bethlehem and trying to find a place to stay while Mary was in labor. During these posadas, the story is reenacted. Posadas are typically held in neighborhoods. A group of people walk around said neighborhoods, Um, sometimes there will be a guy and a girl who will lead, or who will play the parts of Mary and Joseph and lead the way, or images representing them are carried. Um, I remember when I went to a posada with my grandma, my aunt carried a statue of Mary, and her classmate carried a statue of Joseph, Joseph, so that was, like, the representing. Um, this group will make its way to different houses throughout the night, until making its way to the last home where you will get coffee, hot chocolate, tamales, and bags of candy. Uh, When reenacting the story of Mary and Joseph, there's a song sung between the group outside and the people people inside the house. So those outside sing the part of Joseph and Mary asking for shelter, and the family inside of the house sing the part of the innkeeper saying, like, no, go away. (laughs) Uh, The song goes back and forth until the hosts open the door and let everyone inside. While inside, there's a small get-together. People pray to the nativity set set by the host. Bible verses may be read. It's basically like a small religious service. Um, But everyone really anticipates the last house because that's where you get all the food. Yeah. And sometimes, break piñatas. Posadas are spreading all throughout Latin America and even the U.S., but there is evidence um, of them starting in Mexico. So when I talk about piñatas... We talked about how in 1586, in the town of Arcoman, like, piñatas were used for the first time uh, in Angelic- uh, yeah, Angelicism. So, posadas also came around the same year in the same town. Um, so, Augustinian friars organized the first posadas. Friar Diego de Soria obtained a papal bull, papal bull. I remember talking about those in history class but anyway <laughs> he obtained one from pope sixtus the fifth to celebrate what were called christmas bonus masses okay uh or masses yeah masses, masses yeah uh between december 16th and the 24th which are posadas. so yeah i guess he like how i imagine this went down he wrote to the pope was like i have this great idea where we make people uh worship more and have church services more and the pope was like damn yeah go for it oh my god and they're called they were called christmas bonus masses oh my god um and i mean yeah sure 
Uh, besides the neighborhood posadas, organizations like schools or workplaces will organize a one-off posada uh, on one of the nights between the 16th and the 24th. Uh, so basically, like Christmas parties we have here, except they do re like, like they still reenact. Like that's the main part of a posada. Um, if the party has to take place before the 16th, then it'll often be called pre-posada, so a pre-Christmas party. Uh, so yeah, that's it for that. Mm. Uh, well, for some reason I was going to stop recording. Anyways. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the end of the episode. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so my next story is, um, well, it's kind of three stories in one, but they're all connected. So it's a bunch of, uh, Christmas folklore slash mythology slash tradition stuff from Iceland. I love it. So we're going to begin with Grilla. Grilla lives in the mountains of Iceland, and she likes to eat children. Oh, I know about this person. Yes! I was hoping you would do that. Okay, anyways. <laughs> she was a troll with hooves for feet and 13 tails. Year-round, she has the ability to detect misbehaving children, and during Christmas, she comes down to find her next meal. Her favorite is Naughty Kid Stew, which is why she must hunt the children. She lives with her husband, the Yule Cat, and her sons, the Yule Lads. Yule Cat is a large beast that lives in the mountains and lurks the countryside at Christmas for people who haven't received new clothes to wear before Christmas Eve. Yeah, so you have to be wearing some new threads or else you're going to get eaten by the Yule Like, have some respect Jesus was born. Wear new clothes. <laughs> you don't care if you can't afford it. Like, Jesus was born, you little shit. Yeah. <laughs> Did I say that the Yule Cat will eat them? I'm sure that I think so. I'm sure it is. Anyway, so originally used by farmers to encourage workers to finish processes in autumn wool, those who helped were given new clothes, and those who slacked would not, therefore becoming prey to the great Yule Cat. Yeah. So don't slack. You're gonna die. The Yule Lads are Gorilla's 13 children who come down from the mountains one at a time, starting 13 days before Christmas. Then they leave one at a time 13 days after. Children put their shoes on the windowsill for the Yule Lads, and if they have been good, they'll get a treat. But if not, they get some rotten potatoes. They were described as physically grotesque, troll-like creatures, ugly and hag-like. There were actually 82 Yule lads until a poem in 1932 narrowed it down to 13. So, uh, okay. thanks, dude, with the poem. <laughs> Each of the 13 brothers has different personalities. The National Museum of Iceland describes the Yule lads as following. So we have Sheep Cody Claude. He tries to suckle Yules ewes in farmers' sheep sheds. Golly Gawk. He steals foam from buckets of cow milk. Stubby, he's short and steals food from frying, plant, frying pans. Spoon licker, he licks spoons. Whoa, one to the cast. I know, how original. Pot scraper, or also known as pot licker, he steals unwashed pots and licks them clean. Bowl licker, he steals bowls of food from under the bed. Back in the old days, Icelanders used to sometimes store bowls of food there convenient for a midnight snack mm. door slammer he stomps around and slams doors keeping everyone awake Stire gobbler he 
He eats up all the Icelandic yogurt, also known as Skyr, Skyr, I'm not sure. One ass. I love yes. yogurt. Sausage swiper. He loves <laughs> stolen sausages. Window peeper. He likes to creep outside windows and Ew. sometimes steal the stuff he sees inside. Wow. Door sniffer. He has a huge nose and an insatiable appetite for stolen baked goods. Mm. Meat hook. He snatches up any meat left out, especially smoked lamb. Candle beggar. He steals candles, which used to be sought out after, sought after items in Iceland. The Yule lads used to be much more frightening, and the stories were actually banned in 1746. So parents weren't allowed to tell their tell their children about the Yule lads anymore because they were too scary. Ew, lame. Sometimes yeah. that's what kids need. Right? They need to be scared shitless. Well. Good thing they didn't really stop. No good. But they were then forced, the Yule lads were kind of forced to become more friendly because of the uprising of Santa in the 20th century. Mm. So now they're, they're just these foolish elves that play pranks and bring right. treats. They don't, like, do mean things anymore. Yeah. That kind of sucks. Like, I... Like, you know, Santa's always exist, like, the whole St. Nicholas... But, you know, then Coca-Cola came out and was like, look at this guy in this red suit. But, like, it kind of sucks that he kind of took over everything mm-hmm. and a lot was lost. Yeah, there's, he either got incorporated into other people's traditions or, like, they just threw away their own and started doing Santa stuff. Yeah. It was too bad. It is indeed. So, speaking of Santa. Oh, no. <laughs> I know, I know how much you love Santa. Yeah, it's actually a well-known fact that Sandy and I hate Santa. Yeah, actually, like, it's not... To the point where we wrote a story about it. Donate to our Patreon, and you may get to read it, may. Actually, maybe not. I don't want you guys to read it. <laughs> but it's epic. It is. And we... We should like, write it and put it on Amazon for a dollar. We should, because I every Christmas is when I pull it out. Yeah, same. Only during Christmas. I fucking love that story. No, that's a tradition we have. Yeah, the reindeer. Uh, so as you know, Santa, uh, you know, when there's a Santa, there's elves. For some reason. For some reason. In American, or in American, Canadian, Irish, and British cultures, uh, Santa Claus has Christmas elves that live in the North Pole, make toys, take care of the reindeer, and basically act as Santa's helpers. Christmas elves were introduced by Louisa May Alcott in 1856. She apparently wrote a book titled Christmas Elves, but it was never published. The image of elves in the workshop was popularized by Goody's Ladies Book, which was a magazine published from 1830 to 1878. Hmm. Yeah, the front cover for the 1873 Christmas issue was Santa surrounded by toys and elves, and the caption read... Here we have an idea of the preparations that are made to supply the young folks with toys at Christmas time. So this was, like, what made the whole Santa's workshop uh, popular. Uh, In Clement Clark Moore's 1823 poem, A Visit from St. Nicholas, or what is now commonly known as Twas the Night Before Christmas, Mm -hmm. Santa Claus is described as a chubby and plump right jolly old elf so i guess santa isn't as tall as we think he is according to this poem he's an elf himself oh gosh i know that makes him even more terrifying yeah 
Um, and before Santa Claus came about, the Yule Goat uh, had the job of giving gifts out in Sweden. And by 1891, Santa Claus became so well known that they switched from the traditions of the Yule Goat to Santa Claus. In the United States, Canada... Wait. What? Like a goat? Yeah. Like Satan. <gasps> and like Santa also spells Satan. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. Conspiracy, guys. Oh my god. Next Christmas we'll cover that conspiracy. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> uh, in the United States, Canada, and the UK, the modern children's folklore of Santa Claus typically includes elves with pointy ears and pointy hats that are basically his employees or slaves, whichever way you want to spin it. Have you noticed that, like, most depictions of, like, elves, like, on, like, branding stuff at the store, they're always, like, redheads? Oh, my God. Why? I don't know. (laughs) I always, they're always, they always have red hair, and I'm like, like, nothing against that, but, like, why? Why? Hmm. Why? Interesting. Yeah, I mean, it suits about that. them for some reason. I know it does. It just goes... Maybe it's because they mostly wear green and, like, red goes well with green. Yeah, it must, but... That's my... It's weird. Um, that's my guess. Uh, different countries have different variations of Christmas elves. In European countries, Santa is referred to as St. Nicholas, and he is accompanied by helpers that go by different names. In the Netherlands and Belgium, St. Nicholas is accompanied by... Okay, I'm so sorry to those who speak Dutch. As Swarte, Swarte Piet, which translates to Black Piet. But however, this has become really controversial because when people dress up as these helpers, um, they like depict the character with blackface. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they also dress in colonial dress, which goes back to the era of Dutch and Belgian influence in Africa and therefore the slave trade. Yeah. And I have the... A friend in the Netherlands. Shout out to you, Kat. And yeah, she tells me about this, like how they have these big parades. And I understand how, like, because this tradition has gone on for so long, people obviously don't want it to end. Like, it's part of, yeah, um, like their country and like their heritage. But at the same time, like, it does originate from really awful racist backgrounds. So. Uh, yeah, very controversial. Yeah. In Iceland, the helpers are called Yule Lads. Yeah. Uh, yeah between December 12th and 24th, a different Yule Lad um, visits homes each day and leaves presents and plays tricks on children. In Nordic countries, Christmas elves are considered uh, Nisser and not elves and will only wear red instead of green and red, and they are typically known in English-speaking countries. So, yeah. That was... Christmas elves. Yeah, like, all these traditions are so interesting, like, where... You know, you never actually think about how connected they are. Yeah, it's like, they all kind of just mesh together. Like, we have these, like, Nordic ancient kind of traditions, Mm -hmm. like, elves and their folk tales and everything, and then we have, like, Christian Christmas stuff, and then, like, those have meshed together. Yeah. And then they all come to North America, and then... That meshes together even more, because then you add in, like, corporations and Yeah. Santa you know, Claus. this really, like, because obviously I focus a lot on Mexican um, Christmas traditions, but, like, they all connected to, like, some of the stuff you talked about, and um, it kind of, like, something I think about 
is like for certain folklore does it only exist for people of the certain culture that this folklore is from but since they're all like I mean I guess you could spin it and like they're all the same almost do we all just believe in the same thing but like differently isn't Christmas like originally like that holiday was um actually like pagan yeah but it's not, it wasn't christmas they had yeah. like, a bunch of holidays around that time yeah and then there's like krampus which that was before the christmas thing too and mm-hmm. that was around the same time same idea it was like some being coming and terrorizing children like, yeah they all ex- like how they all like to terrorize children yeah now it's like behavior you're not getting presents it's all threats which is interesting like do children just act up around christmas time or something but they just had to come up with all this stuff. I mean, well, because there's that thing like be good all year, and then Santa will bring presents. So like you could be like, oh, it's April right now, but you're really gonna regret this in like December when Krampus comes and like yeah true. swallows you whole. I don't know. <laughs> I think in my house when I have children, we will be celebrating Krampus. <laughs> Could you imagine like who's Santa Claus when they get to school like? <laughs> What about Krampus? Everyone's like, no, Krampus is a mean guy. My children will hate Christmas because they think that, like, Krampus is going to come eat them. Yeah, just like, no, Christmas isn't joyful. It's scary. (laughs) (laughs) Halloween never ends at our house. Yeah, the only beings they'll know of is Krampus and the Grinch. Yeah. Perfect. Tell them the, like, original Yule Ad stories. Yep, that too. And uh, give them pinatas only made of clay. Yes. We will break clay pots at Christmas time. Uh, it's gonna be fun. I can't wait. Yeah. Okay, so I believe I have the last story. You do. Ooh, spooky, spooky. Yeah. Did we save the best for last? Maybe. I kept this one short, as per all the other ones, because... Well, lots of stories. We had eight stories, so... Yeah, this is gonna be a long episode. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. So... Of course, being me, I find a way to sneak a ghost story into a Christmas episode. Please do. (laughs) So, as the song, The Most Wonderful Time of the Year, puts it, there will be scary ghost stories and tales of the glories of Christmases long, long ago. Therefore, ghost stories fit the holidays. Of course they do. And, like, as we've come to know, Christmas is actually terrifying. It is. So why don't we continue this Victorian-era tradition with a festive ghost story? Please. The Returned Relative It was Christmas time of 1995 or 96 at my aunt's house on a reservation in North Dakota. Some of my family was in the living room watching television. The kids were playing in the rooms or sleeping, and my uncle, aunt, and I were sitting at a table putting a puzzle together. My cousin, who worked at a casino, would come home around midnight or 1am. This night, as she pulled up and was walking towards the house, she looked in the window and saw me sitting at the table, my uncle sitting across from me, and someone standing to the left of me and someone standing in the corner. So she continued to walk in the house thinking nothing of it. As we were sitting there talking, she looked at me and asked who was standing next to me a few minutes ago and who was in the corner. I told her no one. And she said, yeah, there was someone standing next to you. It looked like your mom and she was playing with your hair. The writer says, I have long hair, which I used to wear down all the time. 
She said that this person was running her hand on my hair like a mother does to a child. It was kind of freaking me out, being I was probably only 12 or 13 at the time. My cousin swore up and down that someone was standing over me, rubbing my head and watching me put the puzzle together with my aunt and uncle, and that there was another person standing behind this person. We got around to thinking it was probably her mom she saw, who had passed away on her birthday a week before Christmas back in 1992. In my family, we consider our aunts and uncles to just be like, to be just like our moms and dads. After thinking that it could have been her, it didn't scare me so much. However, we couldn't figure out who the person was standing in the corner. And always around Christmas time, something strange always happens. And we just think it's her visiting us. And this was submitted by someone named V. Page. Um, original source, I'm not sure because I've seen this story in multiple videos and on the Oh, web. have you? Yeah. I've never heard of the story oh before. Oh my gosh, I have. But That was good. That was a good story. Yeah. And freaky. Christmassy and really creepy. Really freaky, but good. Yeah. Ooh, something's standing in the corner. I'm not looking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not turning my head. That was nice. That was super festive. I loved every second of that. <laughs> <laughs> There's actually like tons of freaky Christmas stories. I love it. Some of them were pretty long, so I didn't want to touch them. Have you ever heard about the one? Um, this man, or being, this person comes into the house and starts, like, taking all the presents and the Christmas tree and shoves up the chimney. Oh, I know. Like, how creepy. Yeah, they say it's like he's dressed like Santa Claus, except he's green. Ew. It's my favorite story. It's a good story. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, wait, no, is that copyrighted? Fuck. <laughs> You're a mean one. Mr. Grinch. I don't know the rest. <laughs> yeah, the new movie was like, meh. Yeah, it wasn't as good. Jim Carrey's was great. Jim Carrey's is phenomenal. The classic and is a classic, but Jim's Carrey, well, yeah. Jim Carrey's was great. The best. That iconic Where Are You Christmas. Like, it wasn't even in the new one, was it? No. I was disappointed. It's like my yeah. favorite song. Oh my god, and freaking. Taylor Momsen is in the Grinch. Is she? She's the little girl. Oh, I thought you meant the new one. I oh, was like, no, what? no, no, no. She should be. She's Cindy Lou Who. Mm-hmm. Which is crazy. I love it. <laughs> I love it, too. Merry Christmas. And a Happy New Year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm excited because by the time this comes out, I'll be over at my mom's and we'll be making traditional Mexican Christmas food. It's going to be great. And my sister will be back. Can't relate. I'll be working. Oh. But then I'll be... You know, I was going to work, but uh, then I found out my sister was coming back uh, fair. from Vancouver. So I was like, yeah, no, I'm spending time with my sister. Fair. Very fair. Thank yeah. you so much for the podcast that support us. Yeah, shout out to all the podcasts that support us. Um, you can find them all over Instagram. They're all I, we talked about. <laughs> yeah. Because they're great. Like, they truly. Are. Like, we're not kidding. Um, and big happy, (laughs) Merry Christmas and Happy New Year and Happy Holidays and to whatever you celebrate to all of our listeners. Thank you for all the support this year, even though we kind of showed up at the very end. We're very much looking forward to 2019 and we hope to bring you some even better, amazing things. And don't forget to tune in to our episode next week. It's very special. We are so excited. Yeah. It's 
you know, there's a first for everything, and that one will be a first. So. I mean, I say this was a first. Oh, yeah, this is also a first, but. To, cheers to many more uh, Christmas to all a good night. episodes. <laughs> yeah. And to all a good night. Peace out. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Woods Podcast. We'd like to thank Jason Shaw for our opening, Running Waters, as well as Daniel Simeon for the crackling fireplace sound, and Kevin McLeod for the Jingle Bells calm tune. Please check us out on Instagram at The Woods Podcast, Twitter at Woods Podcast, our website woodspodcast.home.blog, and email us your thoughts to thewoodspodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and subscribe, and we will see you next week for some new spooky stories.